and everything that I can. Do we have to have church? No. We had a gift box setting out and people still was pulling in brother Matherly they was giving their contributions they were giving their offerings they were paying their tithes I could have just sat back and, and, and not worried about a thing but we just kept on trying to have church kept on uh, just figuring out a way to do it had people responding from Australia saying hey our life will never be the same after what we heard in this message today and I'm telling you something thankful uh, for a church that has a love for God a love for each other and uh, man I remember them pulling up in them parking lot when we were having service and how come you kids are still in here? Why don't y'all go to class? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The only way I knew that, Sister Kira was back there <laughs> pointing at these children. Hallelujah. They don't want to hear an old man. They want to go out there or something exciting. Praise God. Hallelujah. But I, you know, I was thinking a lot of times Sister Samson will... Just take a little time to tell somebody you love them. And, you know, three or four times a month she'll do that. Just shake hands with somebody. Tell them you love them. Tell them you appreciate them. And uh, I told the story, I think it was Brother Holmes that told Brother Rodney Betts. He said, Betts, I wanna t you want to know how to build a church? Brother Rodney Betts gets real excited, you know. Anybody that builds a church that of that magnitude, I, I'm going to listen to what they got to say. Hallelujah. And, and so Brother Betts was all ears. And uh, Brother Holmes had purchased a couple ice cream machines and sat out there in the, in the, in the fellowship hall and gathering back there. And they was eating ice cream and laughing and talking and uh, just having a good time. And so Brother Betts was all ears and listening. And he said, how is that, Elder? He said, buy you a couple ice cream machines. He said, man, them people get back there, get to eating that ice cream and talking to one another and fellowshipping one another. He said, you can build a church with an ice cream machine. Well, you know, sometimes the Bible talks about the simple things that confound the wise. But what he was really saying, those people will get together They'll begin to communicate with one another and uh, get things in common with one another and just share stories with one another and uh, you can build a church with an ice cream machine. That seems simple, but it, it just kind of, I've always just remembered that little, little story. And uh, I know people sometimes and over the last couple of weeks, I've, I've heard it a lot around the church. And I know we have several out that's traveling and hunting and gone today. But uh, that doesn't make any difference. We still got a group of people that said, hey, I want to go to the house of God today. And I, I come to worship God and I come to feel the presence of God, draw closer to God. But that's not the only reason I come. I come because I love this group of people. I, grow, I love to come and fellowship with these people. And uh, uh, I heard the story the other day that said, uh, the, I think someone related it here where the man was telling the woman, baby, get up. It's time for church. 
I don't want to go to church today. He said, she said, you got to go to church. We got to go to church. Get up. He said, I'm tired. I'm wore out. I don't want to go. And she just kept prodding him and pushing. And finally, he asked her, you tell me one good reason why I have to go to church. And she said, well, for the first thing, you're the pastor. Hallelujah. So, you know, even though you're a pastor, you could get weary. But don't be weary and well-doing. You just keep pressing and pushing but I love to come to church and I you know when when church is over I don't just rip out the the side door I want to talk to people that I love I want to talk to people that I got something in common with and uh, develop a relationship and a lot of times you see people you know well we just don't feel like we fit in anymore and uh, well it's because of your tradition over over you know the last several years you don't want to do nothing that your church does. You gripe about every time they get together. You gripe about everything that they have. And, uh, you know, before camp meeting, we were working here and gathering together. And, uh, uh, you know, when we were trying to get uh, to where we could and we were still young enough, a lot of times on Sunday morning, the men would get together and we'd do a job together so we could put some money uh, in the building fund to get a little farther than what we were. We'd come that night to church and uh, we'd be wore out, but just that camaraderie of working that together that day, we'd have some of the best services that we had ever had. And uh, uh, so I realized that a relationship with people, uh, it means something in this day and age that we live in. And the other morning I got up about three o'clock, I couldn't sleep, laid back down and tossed and turned and finally I just went into the living room and just, man, it was just one of them seemed like God-ordained prayer meetings, Brother Matherly, and I I began to cry and I began to pray and I began to pour my heart out to God and I uh, began just to weep and uh, five in the morning, you know, no, no activity going on, door chime not going off, phones not ringing, and uh, just begin to pray. And I, as I was praying and I was weeping before the Lord, I got to thanking him for all the friends that I had that come to our meeting and supported our dedication. And, uh, uh, and I just began to thank him for the people in the church. And this God spoke to me about relationships. And I, I began to think about that a little bit. And if you'll, you'll bear with me just a little bit, I want to I wanna talk about relations past relationships or relationships from the past and I I'm thankful for all the relationships that I had in my life up to this point but I don't want to re, I don't want to lose the relationship that I have with God and you can read about in revelations and it's starting about probably the second chapter and then it goes on into the third chapter talking about uh, some relationships that were weakening and people uh, were not as excited about relationships that, that they once had and mainly with the church and with God and uh, uh, you can lose your relationship with the church 
and uh, you begin to get cold and uh, you're lukewarm and uh, uh, you lose your first love. Pretty soon it's not a priority anymore when a relationship begins to cool down. There is something uh, uh, a lot of denominations will have marriage uh, retreats trying to regroup marriages and to get you more enthused or re-enthused and uh, excited about your marital relationship and then uh, they may have just a, a men's conference that you can go to and uh, uh, just strengthen yourself uh, uh, with brothers of like precious faith and uh, uh, I feel like all of these things are important to keep this relationship built with the church. A relationship is defined as the way in which two or more concepts or objects, objects or people are committed or connected or the state of being connected. It's the way that you connect. Hallelujah. A lot of our setting here today in our marital relationships, there was a connection. I remember talking with Brother Gray and Sister Mary had been, uh, you know, kind of scouting around a little bit or thinking. And then uh, uh, finally she said, what am I even doing with this? And uh, uh, But God just, you know, maybe has a way of working things out. And you can think of how each and every one of you may have met. Brother Caleb and Sister Stacy uh, met playing volleyball down at Brother Looper's. And uh, just from that connection, it began uh, to take place. I've heard of relationships uh, uh, when they come in and they look, up and uh, some of the, I've heard preachers tell about it. When I walked in, God said, there's the woman uh, that you're going to marry. And thank God for the God-ordained connections and relationships that are ordained uh, by God. And those are the ones uh, uh, that will last. But if you, even though I don't care how ordained uh, uh, by God it is, if you don't build on a relationship, it's going to diminish. And I was just reading a little bit and, and, and made a few uh, entries on some different things. And let me get my other set of eyes out here just to make sure I'm reading a little clearer, clearer than what I think I am. So, but I, I was looking at it and then talked about the three C's for happy couples or for a happy relationship. And it defined the three C's as communication, compromise, and commitment. Now, there's no compromise concerning the church and God and holiness and separation from the world. Understand that. But what I'm talking about is in a relationship. Let's just talk about a friendship uh, relationship or a marital relationship today. And as we look at that, and uh, uh, you know, a lot of times if you don't communicate, I like what somebody said up here the other night at the, at the meeting. I've never slept on the couch. I've never stomped off to another room and slept in another room. Now, me and Sister Red over here, 
here. Uh, she's got an attitude sometimes that can go with that red hair. And uh, it's not always just been uh, uh, bubbly. Sometimes there's been some serious uh, uh, confrontation in our 46 years of marriage. But I want to tell you something. Uh, as hot-headed as she is, and I am a Samson, and I'm hot-headed, and uh, uh, my son the other night lost miserably up here in Bible quizzing to uh, uh, Brother Allie and some of them. And uh, uh, after it was over, I watched them, and like sportsmen, they went over, they congratulated the other ones, telling them they'd done a good job. And I'm sure that Brother Plappert had to put that instruction in there. This is the way we do. I've used to get involved in sports in a little bit, uh, and I we have give guys a, a, a terrible spanking on the ball field. Uh, they were mad at us. They were mad at the refs. They were mad at ever to see, you know how people, you do that in the church a lot of times. You, you get mad at the pastor. You get mad at the people. Uh, uh, you get mad at work nights. You get disgusted with choir practice, uh, and pretty soon that communication is disrupted, and that refellowship uh, is disrupted. What you're saying is, I don't want to be a part of the church. I don't want to be a, a part of God. I don't want to have nothing to do with the people in the church. Well, pretty soon, that relationship begins to fall apart because there's no communication. There's no compromise. What are you talking about? Well, I wanted to play ball today, but we got choir practice. So what do we do? We compromise. We'll take an hour or so out of our busy schedule. We'll come get involved in choir practice. Or, or we'll get involved in the Bible quizzing and uh, uh, so on and so forth. But my my little grandson, he, he comes over uh, uh, and he was telling one of the men and he said, I'm a Samson. And he said, do you know how hard it is for a Samson to go over and shake the hand of somebody that's just beat you and tell them you've done a good job? You're saying you've done a good job of defeating me and beating me and putting me down. Do you know how hard that is? Well, why are you telling us that? Well, I'm just going to tell you I'm one of them Samsons. And I hate it when I'm wrong. And I hate it even worse, Brother Gray, when I'm wrong and she's right. That's when I really hate it. So sometimes in this relationship, yeah, I've been mad. I've went to bed aggravated, Brother Sam. I've went to bed uh, disgusted. But not one time in going on 47 years did I stomp off to the other room. It might have been back to back. We faced each other laying in the bed, but I slept in the same bed. Hallelujah. A lot of times the end result of that is someone says, I'm sorry. Not always me, but not always her. Saying, I'm sorry. That's the compromise I'm talking about. 47 years later, we're still in love. We're still working together. We're still building a church together. We're, we're working for the same purpose. I want people to have a love for God. I, I, Pray that God just let, give me the wisdom to live the kind of life that people in the community could look at me and say, that's how I want to be. Man, they've got through the trouble, through trials, 
Someone made mention one time, y'all have the saddest funerals we've ever been to. What makes them so sad? It's the relationship that we've had with one another, how we relate to one another. And when one of our loved ones are up here, we've got memories so that we can share uh, with one another. And sometimes uh, even at a funeral, they bring laughter. And then a lot of times uh, uh, they bring tears. And then a lot of times there's weeping. And uh, uh, I'll make the comment, at least it's not tears of sorrow and tears from verbal abuse and tears uh, that were shed because we're remembering Remembering uh, uh, the physical abuse or the sexual abuse, and that it's tears uh, of joy. It's tears uh, at my dad's uh, funeral, and when uh, he was 87, when they diagnosed him uh, with the affliction that he had, it was just about 10 or. 12 days and he had left this walks of life but he had such a relationship uh, with God that when we hospice came uh, and we pulled the blanket and we uncovered my dad uh, brother Matherly in his old uh, uh, decrepit looking 87 year old hand uh, it was wrapped around the word of God he still had a grip on his Bible he had a relationship with the word of God with the spirit of God with the church of God and so when I stood there weeping uh, it was weeping I said God if you choose uh, to take my dad I want you to know uh, I will not feel cheated you've given me 87 years old I'm in my 60s I I still have my father uh, on this earth God I'm not cheated Uh, he put the word of God in my heart Uh, he put a love for the Bible in my heart Uh, even in death when his hand uh, was still gripped on the word of God. What are you talking about Brother Sampson? Just like this Bible quizzing and putting the word of God in these young people. That is building a relationship with them and the word of God and the spirit of God that will not diminish over time. It's got to be a present relationship. It's got to be a right now relationship. It can't be a relationship in the past. My relationship with my father is a relationship in the past. The relationship with my elder, the only pastor that I ever had up to for 50 years was the elder. All I can do is live on memories of a past relationship. Communication, compromise, and commitment. I'm going to make this work. You're going to be my friend. I'm telling you something. I I worry. I see people tossing relationships, and I know maybe even at our meeting, people had a question in their mind. How could you do that? How could you let them up? Because I had a relationship with a commitment. I know it was questions in people's mind. I know it brought back remembrance of things that 
people can't forget. But that can't keep you from forgiving. There's been things, and we make this statement a lot of times, forgive and forget. I can't do that. I said, well, just pick one then. Just pick one. There's things that's happened in relationships in the past that's left an indelible mark in our memory. We'll, and even this morning in meditating, the alarm went off early this morning and in my mind I woke up and I just began to roll about relationships. But we can't, I thought of, I thought of things that for years in my heart, my mind, I'll get even. I'm going to get you. I'm getting bigger. I'm getting stronger. And you're going to pay for what you've done to me at age 9, 10 years old. Just, just, you're going to pay for that. And I live with this grudge in my heart. And one day God helped me and showed me some things. And I was able to just forgive. Is it my memory? It was a matter of life and death at the moment, and it left a mark on me through panic and through fear. It just, it left a mark in my mind that I'll never forget, but I can honestly uh, say today that I, I have never let bitterness get a hold of my heart and destroy me, and I had relationships with some of these people through later years in business and different, uh, even in church. And when they prayed through and everybody got right and just created relationships to, that have stood over the years. And I, I want that commitment. I want to stay connected. And I, I got friends today and I, I don't got friends that I don't get to spend a lot of time with. I got, uh, pastor friends this morning that uh, talked to me or, or through text and said hey have good church praying for you this morning for the last three or four years brother Ronnie Warren every morning anywhere from six to ten o'clock uh, in the day good morning elder praying for you today and sometimes uh, it'll be a little more of a lengthy text uh, but it, praying for you today will always uh, uh, be in there and we communicated for the last years and as long uh, as you want to scroll through Brother Ronnie Warren uh, uh, for over the last for however long it keeps track uh, you'll see that but it's been going on for three or four years uh, uh, this this year I rubbed shoulders uh, with men that I didn't really know but I liked uh, their spirit uh, and they text and say hey let's stay connected uh, let's don't lose contact uh, that lets me know something uh, uh, they're wanting to create a closeness uh, and a friendship there. Uh, it's not something in the past. Uh, it's not something that I can sit uh, and dream about. Uh, but it's still a reality. Uh, it's still real in my heart. Uh, just like my marriage after 47 years, uh, uh, there's still an excitement there. Uh, uh, there's still a love there. There's still a joy. Uh, there's still a connection. Sister Sampson made mention traveling a lot and it seems like that's really the only time that we get some good quality visit in time because 
you get a lot going on, and I, I'm not begrudging the church or anything like that. I love every minute that I that I can give to the church, but uh, just on a personal basis, a personal relationship, our traveling together is the time, uh, uh, you know, that that we really get connected. And every once in a while, even coming home last night, and uh, she just reach over and get my hand, and it's uh, uh, heading toward the 70-year mark. We're still holding hands and uh, still telling each other I love you and uh, uh, I'm thankful for you baby and I need you and I, even though she may be asleep I'll reach over and squeeze her arm and pat her, uh, pat her leg. Why? Because there is a relationship over the years uh, that's been created. I need Sister Sampson. She is my helpmate. I wouldn't be nothing near what I am today. I'll be honest with you uh, is it, if it wasn't for Sister Sampson Sampson. Uh, she negotiates a lot of our business and things uh, that I don't have to worry about. If she's not a simple woman. She's uh, uh, educated and she, she knows how, how, how to handle things and uh, I trust her and that why do I trust her but Brother Mather she has proved herself over the years that she has uh, this capability uh, that I can trust her we don't have a his and hers banking account I ain't going to have to worry about probate settling a bunch of things for me and Sister Sampson because we have a relationship. Her name's on our checks. Her name's on our savings. Her names are on her t our titles because of a relationship that we have. Was it Who's that Ramsey guy? What's his name? Dave Ramsey. He said, well, he began to question them a little bit, and then they'll say, well, her account has this, and my account has, whoa, 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 he says, whoa, what did you just say? Mine and hers, mine, hers, his, mine, whatever. He said, you don't have a marriage. You just have an agreement. Well, he's talking about a marital relationship goes beyond a mutual, just a mutual agreement. There's commitment there. There's communication there. There's compromise there. Okay, baby, I'm sorry. Sometimes I'm dealing with situations. My wife say, you got a tongue sharp as a razor blade. And sometimes when I'm talking to her and I have to realize, hey, it's not biblical for you to talk to your wife that way. Well, best God, I'm the man. No, you're a mouse is what you are if you have to bear down on your wife and begrade her and you'd have your way with words and the tongue as sharp as a razor blade that I've heard over the years. Because if we're not careful, that'll destroy a relationship. Some compromise. Even when you're right, just say, okay, baby, I'm sorry. I know you're thinking, I'm sorry that I'm right and you're wrong. No, building a healthy relationship. You don't want, my wife's probably more educated than I am, but I don't begrudge her intelligence. I don't get mad because she's smarter than I am. We both have our areas. I mean, 
out on the farm and working. And I, and I really believe if I wasn't here that Sister Samson could go out and make a lot of the decisions in the cattle. And she's so many times, the phones rang, get the, get, the, get the corral ready. I got cattle. I seen some cattle that was a good deal. And she bought them and they're coming home. And she called one time and said, I bought us a new bull for the farm. Get the, I, didn't, I didn't say, well, you need to let me look at that thing first, in which I think I probably thought that. But, you know, she come in and it was a good bull and he, and he serviced well over the years. She made a good decision, but uh, I, don't, I don't begrudge because she made a better deal than I did or she made a better business decision than I am. I'll openly admit today this is some of that compromise that she, like the turtle on the fence post, our relationship has helped us working together get to where we are today. Build on that relationship. Build a healthy relationship. Let's go to, let's, let me, uh, I know some of you are probably sitting here, I, bless God, I need some word of God in with what you're telling me. So we'll go to 1 Peter 4, we'll go to 1 Peter 4 and verse 8. Above all, and above all things. Now that, that covers right there. It's like love covering a multitude of evil. Above all things, have, it, have fervent charity among yourselves. Above everything. This is top priority. Love. A healthy relationship. Communication, commitment, and compromise, and rightly divide this word that I'm using when I say compromise. I know around the apostolic church, man, when you say compromise, everybody gets the pooch mouth. You know, they think you're going charismatic or something, but rightly divide the word of God today, okay? Just let me use this word. It fits in what I'm preaching today. But it said, above all things, have fervent charity among yourself. And I had forgot it even said this when I used it. It said, for charity shall cover the multitude of sin. You know what splits a church? Somebody gets their feathers ruffled. I've seen the church split over stupid questions. The Bible said avoid foolish questions about genealogies and bloodlines and things that gender strife. Someone asked the question one day, can, can Jesus sin? Well, he's all, he was all God, he was all man. So here go the scripture running about neck and neck down through there. I believe he was God and he didn't sin. That's the way I'd answer that. And I'd have nipped that right in the bud. He, he was God and he did not sin. He knew no sin. He became sin for us. Hallelujah. That's about as close as it ever got. But I want to tell you something. I'm not going to keep sitting there and arguing with you and arguing with you and arguing with you until I've seen one of the best fellowships in the apostolic ranks as it began to split and it began to fall apart. 
Why couldn't somebody just said he was God enough he could, man enough he could, and God enough he didn't, and let's have some church, uh, and let's say, but I know people across the, the country today that are lost because somebody had to be right and somebody wanted to prove somebody else wrong and they wanted to make sure that everybody knew that they proved them wrong. But I had a relationship not just with man because I realized that man will fail and man will let you down. I talked about my elder and when he went, when he first went to Brother C.P. Williams and man, he didn't believe nothing as far as this holiness message and spiritual communion, all of these things. And that old elder, Brother C.P. Williams in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and they come and him and his wife and I got the Holy Ghost under Sister C.P. Williams one night and uh, at the age of about nine, ten years old and uh, uh, got the Holy Ghost, but uh, they begin to come to Brother Williams because they didn't like when Brother Triplett walked in. I guess uh, uh, he's like one, deno uh, one preacher from a certain organization. They were preaching. Uh, there were two center ladies sitting there. They didn't dress holy. They didn't look holy. They didn't represent anything about what they felt like holiness was. Uh, and during his preaching, he pointed at them uh, and he said, women like you don't even belong in an apostolic church. You know what? There's no relationship with those people today. They don't, they've never been back to the church. Didn't know anything about it. But their first exposure wasn't good. It pretty much destroyed anything. Now the Bible talks about he that went his souls is wise. But they didn't really even want him in the midst and they knew that Brother Williams had invited him to come. What are you doing? This man's spiritual communion. This man's a renegade. And Brother Williams just said, you know, I like the man's spunk. I like the man's spunk. And when everybody else wanted to push him out, Brother Williams just kept working with Brother Triplett. That's the reason I'm here today. Not only I get the Holy Ghost under the Williams uh, ministry, but through their kindness and through a relationship they, d they developed with my elder and they just kept pulling him on in to the truth and saying, hey, you can't have separation from the world. You can build a church on holiness. You can build a church on prayer and dedication to God and a relationship with God and you can found a church on your relationship with God because the community begins to see your dedication, your excitement about your congregation, your excitement about the God that you serve and the relationship with God and they'll say hey uh, uh, I'm going to go to that church that's where I want to go that's where I want to be a part of and that is called building a healthy relationship so don't just criticize every time something ain't just like you uh, or you see something that you don't like uh, give somebody some time uh, uh, to build a healthy relationship uh, uh, with God and with 
the church and with the holiness and standard and separation from the world. I'm just, oh God, in just a few years, you won't be able to tell them from anybody else sitting in the congregation. There may come a time that you have to cut that relationship when it becomes a hindrance, but I'm telling you something. How many of us in this church would not be here today if somebody hadn't reached out with us, helped us, dined with us, fellowship with us when you didn't look nothing like us. And today, you look like us and look better than some of us because you've got a relationship with God. But the only reason you got the relationship with God was because Brother Samson, Sister Greeson, Sister Sam, somebody spent time with you and they let you see there's a better way than what you've got. There's something better with the relationship that you have with the world. And today you're sitting here a saint with a relationship from the past that you no longer have any connection to. Relationships from the past. Think about how to use communication to make your partner feel needed. What can I do to make somebody feel welcome in the church? I just like talking to people, visiting with people. I, we were in the hospital yesterday in, in the cafeteria. There's an elderly gentleman come, and I, I seen he was wanting to talk, and I was already involved in a conversation, and I didn't want to lose both conversations, you know, because I want to talk. And so uh, pretty soon he said something, and I turned around, and uh, I began to talk to this elderly gentleman, and uh, uh, finally it come down. I asked him, why, why are you here? And he said he pointed at his breakfast, and uh, uh, he pointed Sister Stacy at his chocolate gravy, and uh, they didn't have chocolate gravy, so he got him a, a thing of uh, Nestle's chocolate milk, and he come over and he mixed uh, the chocolate milk and his gravy, but he had chocolate gravy. Now that's a thing that kind of runs uh, uh, through the south and down through the uh, east a little bit, that chocolate gravy. But I'm sitting there looking at that and it looked disgusting to me, but I just kept talking to the old elder. Pretty soon I, I found out that he was apostolic and uh, he wanted to know where we had a church. And uh, I spent some time talking uh, uh, with this man. And every day that he goes to, to that kitchen to to eat breakfast, uh, he's going to remember Brother Sampson sitting there uh, and spending a little time. Uh, and when he got up to leave, I found out that he was 80 years old. Uh, uh, he lived 12 blocks from the hospital. Man, brother, my kids say, Dad, you ask him everything, but how much money he had in his banking account? Sometimes I want to say, and I was getting ready to ask him that when he left, but but when he left, I knew, his, but you know what? When he was walking out of the cafeteria, he's halfway out the door, and he turned around, Brother Tony, and he said, Sir, thanks for talking to me today. I made a difference in his life. 83 years old, lost his wife a few years back, and just comes hoping somebody will strike up a conversation with him and 
give him a little excitement in life, probably the most excitement he had had for the day was us sitting there and talking about he was Pentecostal and talking about the church and talking about different people that we know and building a, building a church here in the Osho. Man, he got excited when he heard about our church and uh, uh, just... People are looking for that in life. And so if there is some communication and some commitment to your communication, yeah, you may feel like you're so much holier than thou. That's where I'm talking about you need to compromise and get off your high horse and begin to help somebody. Brother Matherly got up talking about, here he is, holiness preacher today, believes the truth. Everyone I've ever mentioned to, he's got to give, he's giving him a good report. But he told us about a time there wasn't a good report in his life. He was an alcoholic. He was a drunk. Somebody that some of you wouldn't give three minutes time to out on the street. But here he is today, a minister of truth. Minister of holiness, minister of separation. Why? He had a relationship in the past that he severed, but he developed a relationship that will last as long as this world lasts and beyond to infinity and beyond. Hallelujah. Sometimes we can't forget. Sister Stephanie talked about, I'm just talking about relationships from the past. They went on a cruise and they got off in a part of town where the street people were there, the, uh, the addicts were there, the people that don't feel like there's any hope. Uh, they're just sitting there holding to a jug or uh, to a crack pipe and trying to uh, just hold on till their days are finished uh, and find as much joy and happiness and whatever it is uh, that it gives them. That is their relationship. But she goes and she sees people laid out and just uh, crocked out of their mind and intoxicated and when she come around the corner there was something in her that she just she said I just kind of drew back brother Samson because that was a relationship in the past and I don't want no more to do with that not that I'm better than them She's proved that by going to the shelter and bringing as many people from the shelter to church uh, as she could. And she still goes uh, and witnesses and still goes and works uh, at the shelter and still goes uh, and gives haircuts uh, and still does things. Uh, But that's a past relationship uh, and she's building on a new uh, relationship with God. Another definition for relationship is the state of being connected by blood or marriage. The old saying is you can choose your enemies, but you can't choose your family. There's a blood connection there. You can deny it, but it's inseparable. It's in your genes. It's in your DNA. Ever take a, a DNA test, it, it, it's, it's going to show up. You're related. How many people today has been reunited with family uh, uh, that they never knew or they never met and uh, they throw this uh, DNA into a database and uh, uh, this data begins to spill out and they begin to find a relationship that they never, a relation that they never even knew uh, that they had and maybe some of them just lived out the street or, or maybe even 
even next door, but it was. Uh, uh, we do have a, a, a connection here. Uh, it's a relationship, uh, uh, maybe that never developed. Uh, and a lot of us today come to church. Uh, it's a, de- a relationship uh, that needs to be developed. Everybody talks about February and falling in love, and I don't know about all that. That probably might come under paganism of some nature, but I, I'm not getting into all that. But it, it takes more than chocolates, flowers, and dinner dates to make a relationship work. Now, if you're mad at me and want to take me out back today and buy me a steak, that'll help may not fix everything, but it'll sure help. The elder said, I know I've made some of you mad, but you come up after church, give me $5 and I'll forgive you. Well, inflation, give me 20 and I'll forgive you. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. But that helps. But taking to somebody to dinner, buying somebody a gift, man, Brother Jason, I've not opened it yet. Uh, I wanted to open it, but church was going on, but he brought me a card. I'm sure it's... Uh, related to pastoral appreciation, and uh, uh, I, I, I like that. That, 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 that. that helps. Just giving somebody a card and just a little gift, just a little text saying, hey, I'm thinking of you. I'm praying for you to elder. elder. You know what that does? That makes me pray for Brother Ronnie Warren. That makes me pray for Sister Warren's father. It's a, uh, it has, she spent months and months. He just recently gave up his church because of his wife having to stay with her father. And uh, it kept them separated. And he said, man, Brother Sampson, it puts a strain on our relationship. Because they're not connected. Even over the phone, uh, you know, that helps. But that don't cut it. There needs to be a connection in a relationship, a communication in a relationship. Why do you get up, Brother Samson, and pray? Because I love God. God's been good to me. God gave his life for me. God, I'm I'm telling you, everything that I am or have, I owe to God today. Why would I not want to communicate with him? When my banker calls... Usually Sister Sampson gets some calls, but man, if I ever get it, I don't hang up. And I want to know what's going on. You may have a voucher for me for a couple hundred thousand. I sure don't, don't want to miss that. But I, I don't ignore that connection and that communication. Communicating, hey, this is what's going on. A lot of times you call the banker, and I don't know about y'all, but I've been in a bind before. I've had to say, look, I know this, 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 and this, but look, I've got some jobs done, and I, and I want you to know in a day or two that, that it's going to have it. I've called him even before it was even due and said, look, it's looking kind of iffy, but I want you to know that it's going to be paid. You know what they say? As long as you're worried, I'm not worried. Well, when you don't let me know in other words, if you're not getting a hold of me, you're not connecting, you're not letting me know what's going on, our relationship is not very healthy, and then I start having to worry about you. 
But you keep that connection there. And there's good communication. And I like good communication when I want to go down and buy a herd of cattle or a new vehicle. I'm glad that we've stayed connection, connected. I'm glad that I have that relationship with the banker. But we're building on this three C's here. Communication, think about how to use communication to make your partner feel needed, desired, and appreciated. Communication is verbal and nonverbal. Actions speak louder than words is what we're saying here. Read a little deal the other day. It says, Does breathing hard, is, this, is breathing hard still the same as back-talking your parents? You need to crush that. That ain't cute, that's rebellion, that's defiance. Crush that. Actions speak louder than words. They say a dog is man's best friend. I don't know about a man, but when I was a little boy, I shared a lot of thoughts and hurt and secrets with old pal. My little white shaggy haired dog had big old wide long ears and a lot of hair on him and you know I've said it many a time after getting my tail in corrected and sitting there and old pal had come up beside me and I'd sit there kind of something like you'd see in that painter guy that paints all these Norman Rockwell but that 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 you know a lot of those things bring uh, things to life in me over the things that I have had a relationship over the years, but I remember sitting there crying with my arm around my old dog and looking at him and just pouring all my trouble and out to him and telling him, uh, uh, you know, how sorrowful I'd been treated, or if you please. But felt like he was the only friend in the world. And uh, uh, but you could you could come out and you're in a bad mood. I want to tell you something. That dog detects it real quick. I've heard the statement many times. When I got the Holy Ghost, the dog was even glad when I got home. You come home with a bad day, you get out and slam your door, the dog comes running up, you kick at him because you don't want him around you and he goes running around the, the house with tail between his legs and he's hurt. And the next time it takes a little coaxing for him uh, to approach you. You've damaged uh, the relationship with man's best friend. I don't believe that. I feel like God is the best friend that we could ever have. But even as children, sometimes we've had a relationship with pets. Our heart is crushed. That will enter, that's some of the best introduction to life is when you see your pet ran over or the neighbor shooting him because he got into the sheep uh, uh, herd and killed some of the sheep. And you, you're looking out the window thinking he's the best dog in the world. Uh, and all of a sudden he's spinning sideways uh, where the neighbor put a bullet through him for killing his sheep. They just don't tolerate a sheep killing dog and they have this guilty look about them but you know we damage this relationship a lot of times maybe not with an animal but with each other. Healthy communication verbal and not verbal Actions speak volumes, and remembering that listening is a major component of a healthy communication.
in a relationship. I've been communing with God. You ever heard someone say that? Oh, I've been communing with God, basking in the presence of God. But what if you didn't have that consolation in your relationship that God was hearing that prayer? It wouldn't take very long. You'd move on to something else. I don't feel God anymore. Remember Elder Dunn talking about preaching, praying, prayed an hour a day, and preached two hours every day if you'd let him. But he talked about not feeling the presence of God for one year. Just preach, pray, and no communication. But the relationship was so real before that that for 12 months he just kept trusting in the relationship that he would build with God over the years. Hey, after 12 months of not feeling the presence of God, there would be just a little bit of a feeling creep in that this is a past relationship. God's not hearing me anymore. I'm just beating the wind in this relationship. It's one-sided relationship. One day he talked about when he went to prayer, he felt the anointing of God and the Shekinah glory come into the room that he was praying in. And he knew then, hey, this is not a past relationship, but this is something that's real. And I can still feel God, and he's still communicating. It's not always what is said, but it's how it's said. That's important. If a couple communicates with aggression, the silent treatment or abusive language or actions, it signals concerns that might be best addressed by a good trip to the altar. People come. Well, Samson, our relationship is on the rocks. There's trouble in our relationship, Brother Samson. Man, you know what causes past relationships? No love, no communication. A lot of times you read a post, want to find out who your friends are, and they'll put some kind of a post, and people, man, they'll start responding to it. And if you don't hit like at the end of this, I'll know, because you didn't communicate that you're not my friend. Well, I got friends that I don't communicate for days at a time, but it's still a relationship. Communication, think about how to use communication. We covered that. Compromise, two people in a relationship bring individual experiences. Brother Simeon and Sister Anna just united in holy matrimony. They're probably finding out what one likes and the other one dislikes and what one dislikes the other one may like. Sometimes after this service today, there'll be a compromise made in relationship. Not me. Okay. 
What do you want to eat, baby? Oh, I don't care, baby. Just wherever you want to eat. You know where I'm heading already. Because you've dealt with this compromise in your relationship many times. No, serious. I just want to, wherever you want to go. It don't matter to me. It don't matter to me either, baby. Just wherever you want to go. So, I'll pick a place that I know she don't like. Now, it don't matter. Just anywhere. <laughs> I said, we're going to go here. I knew you would pick that place just sure as I was sitting here. I knew that's where you'd say you wanted to go. Okay. Now, you know where I want to go. Tell me where you want to go. I said, well, I want to go to Outback or El Charles somewhere. Because it didn't matter. So what we did... We compromise. And sometimes I've given in so sweet, and I really probably didn't even want to eat at the place I said, but I was just trying her. But she comes back and I'll say, baby, I don't care. We'll go over there if, if that's where you want to eat. No, honey, if you want to eat there, you can go over there. Now, this is the compromise that I've been talking about. But if I go out there and I say, we're going down here to the... Uh, greasy spoon whether you like it or not we're going to eat there and she sits over there disgusted and, and heartburns and sick over the slop that I'm sitting there eating so we compromise we go home get a nap and everything's fine but without that compromise in that relationship just after a while does it always have to be your way and she's not told me that no, not very much, but <laughs> finding common ground means expressing opinions, just like me and the elderly gentleman when I meet somebody. I would make an excellent door greeter if I didn't spend so much time talking to one person, trying to find out how much money he had in his bank and no, I'm just <laughs> You know, where do you live? Where do you work? How long you live there? Expressing opinions, understanding and accepting differences and agreeing on compromise. A lot of times Sister Samson fixed things for me. I like stuff hot. I like stuff spicy. Pepper is too stout for her. But a lot of times she'll fix the things that I like along with other things so we can have it. Understanding and accepting differences and agreeing on compromise if both people feel heard and understood. It helps prevent one person from feeling like they're giving in which can build resentment agreeing on compromise if both parties, it helps prevent one person from feeling like they're giving in, which can build resentment over time. Just after a while, it begins to damage the relationship. You don't always have to be right. It don't always have to be your way. Give in. After a while, my goodness, 
he's always right. He's always right. He knows everything. And then pretty soon the more comments are added to this thing. And it begins to destroy the relationship. And pretty soon it becomes a relationship in the past. Commitment means putting each other and the relationship first. This requires a lot of giving and certainly some sacrifice. But you know what the payoff is? A relationship, a friend for the rest of your life. Some of you Bible scholars probably already know where I'm heading toward the end of this thing. A relationship for life. Begin to think about that. It brings true joy. It brings fulfillment to each other's life, knowing that each person is committed to working through challenges and growing together, builds trust and intimacy and helps release the fears and doubts that hold a relationship back and from building and becoming healthy. Relationships can be challenging and they can take a toll on mental and physical health mood, and even focus at work. I've worked a lot of employees over my lifetime that when they got out of the truck to come in and go to work, you could see sorrow, you could see hurt, and their production would be so bad that I'd ease around, I'd say, I could have went in and said, look, you're either going to have to pick up or you're going to have to go and let somebody else come in here. It's a little bit more excited about their job than you are. But there's been many a time I catch them upstairs, downstairs, in another room. I said, look, man, what's going on? Something ain't right here today. And I've seen grown men begin to break down and cry because they come home to what they thought was a great relationship without a clue what is fixing to happen. Some grown men tell me I was on the phone with them, Brother Sampson, and I was talking to them three blocks from the house telling me they had on this and this and this because they knew the thing that I liked and what meant the most to me. And when I pull up and I walked in the door, he said, I, I smelt no aroma of the dinner that I was led to believe that was being prepared. There's an emptiness in my home, hollowness in my home, and I begin to think, well, something ain't right. I'll go back and see what she's doing. And when he begin to make his way to the back of the house, uh, he noticed that these uh, uh, objects were gone. Bedroom suits were gone. Uh, uh, various pictures off the wall uh, uh, was gone. The car uh, that just had her name on it, it was gone. And every, the house was emptied out. And what he thought was a stable, healthy Relationship is now a relationship in the past. Gone. They begin to cry and they begin to weep. Because something come in and took away the relationship. But Samson, have you ever had friends in your life? I remember it, friends that I had, 
in New Mexico at just a young boy, eight, nine years old. Relationships that I thought was going to develop. I make mention every once in a while of a girl named Jo Beth Langendorf. And she was just about seven years old, maybe. The first time I seen her, and we were at the school in a little town called Array, New Mexico, and we were playing, and I came around the merry-go-round. We was running, and uh, about that time, she came around on the merry-go-round, just a little blonde-headed uh, girl. And I remember, Brother Matherly, stopping in my tracks and just looking at this girl. That was the prettiest girl. I, I don't know. It just captured me. And I was probably one of those. She's going to be my girlfriend from now on out. Just a little bit of a relationship, whatever can be involved at eight, seven, eight years old, six years old. But I remember that beauty and I remember the hopes of a relationship. But that's all in the past today. There's nothing to it, nothing ever developed. But I remember being captivated by the beauty of this young lady. But I got older and I realized that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. I tell often of the little puppet at St. Louis that I seen. He was a horrible looking little decrepit old creature. They had him on the things, had a big old honking nose, man. He, but he was a beauty compared before the little play was over. And they were singing a song, if they could see you through my eyes. That little thing was a playing, and pretty soon I hear a commotion and all the attention, and there's another puppet coming out. Man, I'm going to tell you something. She is ugly. She was the most ugliest little puppet I ever laid eyes on. And this other little puppet, it was all a play, but he was singing to her, telling about other people's opinions about her, but if they could see her through his eyes, it's in the eye of the beholder the beauty of the moment has created a lot of relationships in this building today I doubt very seriously that you married your wife without seeing her I know mail order brides are popular but not for any people that I know Brother Nathaniel always talks about the message he preached about uh, three fools and a hen-pecked husband, or two fools, uh, when he bid them to come. And they said, well, we bought a farm, and we got to go appraise it. Well, you don't appraise something after you buy it. And the other one uh, uh, said he bought oxen. He had to go evaluate them. And uh, he talks about those are the two fools. They buy stuff and then evaluating it later, just buying something not knowing what it was. And then the other one said, I've married a wife, and I've got to go. So that's where your hen-pecked husband come in too but we don't develop relationships like that why do you go to that church why do you give up what you give up why do you act like you act because I have built a relationship with God that's going to stand Brother Josiah Durbin sitting here at age 9 1964 we pulled up 
to the church late. We, had, we, we hadn't been in Missouri just a few nights, and we get to church. Church is already going, and Sister Sampson's sister pulls up. It's in the end of October, and we're getting out of the car. But while we pull up, I see two young boys having a broad jumping contest off of the front porch of the church. That lasted till Sister Nellie Durbin discovered he was gone, got him out. Sister Nellie would get you by the ear, take you right across the church, and she'd set you down. And if you was over there, she'd get you by the ear and take you across, set you down by your parents. But I seen Brother Randy Durbin out there, and he's energetic. And not knowing at that time that relationship was fixing to start building and just like some of you when you come into the church Sister Stephanie didn't have an idea or a clue she just went because there was nowhere else to go and Brother Randy and I we began to play together we love ball we love riding bikes I rode five or six miles over there on a Saturday and rode bikes as hard as we could all day long and get back on my bike and ride it plumb back over to 43 Highway uh, home that evening. And uh, But we did it because, hey, we wanted to be together. And it grew to a relationship that every weekend I was at his house, he was at my house. Man, we got horses and we began to ride horses and uh, I mean, I read about Solomon and David and the, the love they had, the relationship, Brother DJ, that they had. It surpassed the love of women. It meant more to them than what a woman could mean. And man, we, me and Brother Randy, we'd sit and we'd talk about, we get big and we're going to have horses. We're going to raise horses. We're going to have a huge horse ranch. And man, in our young mind, we were putting it together. We didn't have girlfriends and uh, uh, we didn't uh, not go to uh, play together because we had a girlfriend. We had a relationship. Did we argue? We argued. We fought, but we had a relationship. And it meant more than anything else in our life. It, it was to the point that he wanted to come and one day he got in the car with us. He said, my mom said that I could come over here today with you. He knew we had the horses pinned up and uh, he came over and not knowing that Sister Nellie had not given him uh, permission to. Maybe he wanted to so bad in his own mind that it, maybe he thought it was permissible but it turned out that it wasn't very permissible. But for that relationship, he risked trouble. He risked punishment. He, uh, he, he, he got involved with that, that relationship. And it stood through years and years. It stood. And man, I'd get excited when we'd meet each other, maybe at Lowe's or at an eating place and get to spend a, a little time. We couldn't run and play and ride bikes uh, all day because of other commitments in life, but it was still a, a friendship that stood. And I remember when I got the phone call that he left uh, this walks of life and I, I began to wail at the top of my voice and say, no, no, no. Because of a relationship 
that meant so much to me. The memory still stands strong, but the relationship is a past relationship. I think of him often. I still have his number in my phone, and I think of him often. Better, I'm going to skip some other scriptures that I had, but in Proverbs 18, you can read a lot about healthy relationships and building a relationship. You, it relates to this. But on down at 18 and 24, let me pick, pick that up, and I know that I've been long this morning, but this is this thing is it's on my heart. Proverbs eighteen twenty-four. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. You were busted, disgusted today, didn't have no money, and you needed money. My dad always said, I'm a millionaire. They said, oh, yeah, he knew my dad didn't hardly have two nickels to rub together. He said, I'm a millionaire. He said, what do you mean, Brother Dave? He said, I got a million friends, and I can borrow a dollar from each and every one of them. That makes me a millionaire. What makes you rich, Brother Sampson? It's the relationships that I had with Durbin's and today still privileged to have one, two. Now sitting in this congregation, I don't take that lightly. But if I'd never developed a relationship with the Durbin family, what desire would Brother Josiah have to be here today? He has friends. He must show himself friendly. And here is the key that got me to thinking about a lot of what I think about. And there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. That one certain friend in life. He didn't say numerous. He said there is a friend that'll stick closer than a brother. One day there come a point in my life I knew I needed more of a relationship than just with my mother and father, which was perfect as far as I'm concerned. little redhead that I fell in love with. I, a lot of the years I based my life on that and family. There's a time in my life that I realized hey, he's more than my daddy's God. He's more than just that God that I see my dad every morning reading his Bible and crying out in prayer behind the old wood stove. One day I looked up and I want a relation. 
I want to cry and I want to weep and I want to be, I want to have a, a spirit like my dad's God. I want a love for God. I, I want his God to be more than just his God. But brother Sam, I wanted his God to become my God. And I, I fell in love with God, Sister Mary. And I got started developing a relationship with God. And God began to make me realize how much that I needed him. And I've lost a lot of friends over the years. And I got past relationships this morning and I am thankful for every one of them. The end of this month, my good friend, Brother Hitt, we relate, we communicate. I don't send him a smiley emoji and I don't send him a thumbs up emoji. We call and we talk and we communicate. At the end of this month, we're going to take a trip together. We're going to spend time together. We're going to strengthen that relationship. A good, strong relationship a lot of times will weed out the bad compromise that I've been talking about. There's been a lot of times I've lived for God because I didn't want to hurt my mom and dad. And I didn't want to hurt my pastor. And that was the only reason uh, that I was still coming to God. But if I didn't have those past relationships, uh, I wouldn't have the present relationship uh, that I have with God today. Uh, as you stand to your feet. Revelations 2 and 4. You know what's wrong? You know what happens to marriages? A lot of times on the job force, some slick tongue comes up sweet talking and telling your wife that's out trying to help you make a living and they think you got the strongest relationship that ever was, but he goes to work on you. It's not your character he loves. It's not your personality that he loves. They got a heart full of lust and they begin to work on you. My, you look good today. Do you always dress that way? Man, they just start in and just start in and pretty soon you catch yourself spending more time. You, get your, you catch yourself looking forward to his compliments and uh, uh, you maybe catch yourself dressing a, a little more maybe inappropriate or just a little different than you would normally dress going to work. Uh, why? Because uh, of this unhealthy relationship uh, that you don't have enough spiritual discernment uh, to realize uh, that it's working on you. And the first thing you know, you're looking at your husband that's come in from a hard day's work and fell asleep in his chair and his mouth is hanging open because he's so exhausted and drool is running over his lip and he's snorkeling and snoring from exhaustion and you're over there excited about the new relationship that's beginning to take place the way your desires are shifting Way your personality and attitude and your dress will is beginning to shift. You look at them with disgust. You're not excited about them anymore. Oh God, you need to get up, run across the room and shake up your spouse and wake them up and say, I just wanted to tell you how much I love you, how much I need you.
your first love. As long as there is love, we will stay. I know we take vacations and we do different things. But dear God, Brother Nathaniel, I heard his son talking about everywhere we went to work. Nathaniel said, I've had 17 pastors, Brother Samson, and you're the best. And a lot of times during pastor's appreciation, he makes that comment. I look at people's face. I know what they're thinking, uh, uh, that he's a church hopper and he just hopped around. But they traveled and worked. And uh, the reason he had 17 different pastors because when he got where he was going, uh, he found the church. He found a place to go to. Uh, I've been out of town working with him. Uh, uh, we went to a church uh, that we still laugh about today. Uh, but we found a church. Uh, why? It's his first love. Revelations 2 and 4, it talks about you've lost your first love. How did you lose your first love? Drop down to Revelations 3 and 14. Is it because you got lukewarm in your communication? Souls is no longer your first love to come to church. Being in the house of God with godly people no longer excites you like a monster truck pull, truck show, car show, a rodeo. That's got more of a pull on you. Why? Because something has crept in in that fervency that you once had for your relationship with the church and with God, Brother Tony, has become lukewarm and it's cooling, it's chilling. You pull steel, molten steel out of a refinery. In the moment that it leaves the furnace, there is a refrigerant process that begins to take place. You can visually stand and watch the change as it begins to cool when it comes out of the furnace. Begins to take on a lighter shade of bright red, orange, molten steel as it begins to cool. It's losing its heat. It's losing its fervency. And you can leave it out all night and it cools down and the dew hits it and the next morning you go out there and that perfect looking piece of molten steel has got rust spots on it. Why? Because of the refrigerant process that takes place when you get away from the heat. When you walk out of the church, there's one thing you could pray and cry for hours but there's one thing that happens when you leave this church. Your flesh goes with you and your flesh is enmity toward God. It will cause a refrigerant process in your relationship with God. And entertaining this flesh, occupying the desires of this flesh takes precedence over relationship with God and that's when the cooling process begins to take place and the fervent prayer of a righteous man 
is no longer taking place. Why? There's no fervency in the relationship. That fervent relationship that you once had with God is now in the past. And if you're not careful, it's going to become a past relationship with your dedication to God. No greater love than this. He gave his life for you. He shed his blood for you. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. But the chastisement of our sons are upon him. By his stripes we're healed. We have prosperity. We have healing. We have relationship. We have peace. In a present relationship. I don't want relationships in the past. These altars are open this morning. But I want a present relationship. I want a fervent relationship. I want something that will keep me in the church.